Thank you for listening to this sermon from Goodwill Church, located in New York's Hudson Valley. Goodwill Church is on a mission to be a hub of revival in the Northeast and beyond. For more information about our church, please visit goodwillchurch.org. Now, here's the sermon. One of the things that our family loved doing during Christmas is going to the different areas where we knew that certain families decorated their homes for Christmas. And and it would be lights, twinkling lights, those plastic candy canes, those molded figurines. But recently, it's something else has happened, right? Because um, they have added those inflatables, right? And there's, right, there's Rudolph, there's the abominable snowman, there's Santa Claus, right? It's like, it's, it, it's amazing the amount of inflatables um, that people just display, right? And, and if you haven't, right, it's, you should stop by Bob and Mary's neighbor's house because they have a display that's, right? And, but something amazing happens. But something, right, and... And the displays, for the most part, look amazing at night. But once the sun comes up, whether it's foggy or cloudy, whether those displays are on a timer, or whether the homeowner themselves shuts off the electricity, and those inflatables deflate. Also, what once looked beautiful looks like a massacre. <laughs> and in fact, right, there, there, there's a phrase, right? The Christmas massacre, right? It's all of a sudden you drive by and these things that were inflatable are just laying flat, right? And... And depending right, on how big the homeowner wants to make their display, right, it can look <laughs> as, as if somebody just went through and just cleared it out. Right? And, and, and the thing is, right, it's like this illustration, right, of the light and darkness is an illustration of our relationship with God. Right? And, and in other words, there are certain things, there are in certain periods of time that are just not the way they're supposed to be. Right? It's almost like they would be better off just leaving them on right? than turning them off and on. Right? Because it just takes away from what they're trying to achieve. And because it, it, like, that, that, that for me would drive me crazy. 
right? If that was in my house, right? And which is, I think, a reason why I'm so hesitant to even put lights up, right? Because eventually I got to take them down. But, but I know my family is blessed when I put them up, right? And, but that anguish, that, that darkness, all of that points to what we are going to be looking at. In other words, as Pastor John and the pastors got together, we said, you know, can we look at seven verses in the Old Testament that point us to Christ? And there's no better verses than the verses that are in Isaiah 9. Those seven verses, verses 1 through 7. And, and again, is this is... I'm going to be looking at verses 1 and 2, right? So you're probably saying to yourself, oh, so this is going to be a short message. That's a good thing, right? Um, and, and we'll look at those, and we'll look at maybe one or two other verses. We'll look at the rest of the seven that we're going to um, be going through. You heard it earlier um, when Micah was doing the Advent reading, right, um, because there's no better verses that point to what God is and was going to do and did do. Right? So, prior to us diving in to these verses of 1 and 2 of Isaiah 9, I think it's important that we read what was happening prior. So, Isaiah 8, right, and... And just hear the tone of this. And when they say to you, inquire of mediums and macronaut who chirps and mutters, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and two, the testimony. If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will enrage and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth and behold distress and darkness and gloom and anguish. And they will be thrusted into thick darkness. Right? So that was the setting. Right? The people in the north, as they were preparing to be invaded by the Assyrians... The northern country fell at 722 B.C. But here's the thing, right? It's like instead of turning to God, right, they would turn to mediums. Trying to seek an answer. Trying to figure out, well, what's going to happen next? And sometimes... Whether you know it or not, we do the same thing. 
when we are under duress, the last person we turn to at times is God. We'll, we'll seek every other advice first, and then we turn to God. And it's only if we have been in a relationship with God for a long time do we tend to go to God first. And the darkness that Scripture talks about is really the darkness of your soul and my soul. That if we were left to our own devices, we would not seek God. We would seek other things. So it's important to know, right, it's the location of where Isaiah is talking, right? So it's the northern part. It is Israel. He's talking about the, the northern part that was divided from the kingdom as a whole. But then in the midst of that darkness, right, he would say this, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. Right? Imagine that. Right? That somebody who was in anguish there's going to come a time where there'll be no more gloom. In the former times, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea and the land beyond Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Do you hear how Isaiah is giving the word that he's receiving from God? In other words, God is going to do something, but the way Isaiah is describing it is as if he's done it. It's important to know that. Right? You're in darkness, you're in anguish. Right? But then he says, in the latter times, he has made glorious the way of the sea. In other words... There's going to come a time where God's going to bless that region. Where God is going to do a miraculous thing in that very place, right? And, and you and I might say, well, I wonder what that would be. What would God do? Right? And it, that's why it's important that you know your word. Right, because in the Gospel of Matthew, just as Jesus is starting his ministry, if you were to go to Matthew 4, right, starting at verse 13, right, so hear these words, and they're going to sound pretty familiar. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. There it is. Right? So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled in the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The peoples dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death 
on them a light has dawned. Isn't that a blessing? To hear how Isaiah, as he was prophesying, saw what God was going to do in the future. In other words, yes, the, the land of Zaphtali, you know what? It's, they're going to be conquered. Why? Because the Assyrians were going to come down from the north and they were going to be the first ones to be attacked. They were going to be the first ones to be under the rule of the Assyrians for the longest period of time. And God would say, there's going to come a time where you're going to see a light, a blessing, where all of a sudden you're going to be able to hold your head up high. And really what Scripture is saying is that the blessing, the light, is Jesus Christ. That in that area, out of all the areas of Judah, Jesus is going to choose to reside in that area. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. They are going to be the recipients. Scripture is saying, because of the invasion, no one has been under the physical darkness, more than that area. But as much as they have been in that darkness, there's going to be a light coming. And we heard it earlier. You know, Mike read from the Gospel of John. Right, here's what Jesus would say in John 8, verse 11. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Right? So everything we do during Advent, Christmas Eve, Christmas, all of it is to point us to God-giving His gift, so that we would have the light of the world. Right? But in case you're wondering, well, where is this? Right? Um, So if we look at the map, right, you can see where Jerusalem is. And if you go all the way to the top of the map, you see Naphtali. You see Zerubbabel, right? But then you see the Sea of Galilee, right? And right at the northern part of the Sea of Galilee is where Capernaum is. And that's where Jesus would make his home with Peter. And that's where they would fish off that shore. Right? And and then because of the pending war, right? So it's important to see this map. Right, so that was the Assyrians. You see that little brown dot near the bottom of the green? That's Jerusalem. 
right? And the reason why they would go from around what they call the crescent is because those were the plains. Otherwise, they'd be having to cross mountain ranges, right? In other words, if you look at Babylon, one would say, well, they could have just cut across, but Babylon also would have traveled north and then come down. So you can see that near the northern part of Jerusalem, they would have been attacked first. They would have been under oppression much longer. And according to God's word, he says, and you, Naphtali and Zephyr, you will receive this light. You will. Right? And, and here's the thing, right? And that is despite them not at first looking for God. Right? Because that's what is said in Isaiah 8. In other words, they look for magicians. Right? They look for those who can interpret right, the signs. They would even say they would seek help from those who are dead. Right? And, and, and that would be a specific word for us today, right? Because Scripture would say, right, let the dead be dead. But if you need to turn to anything, at least turn to the living word. Because in the living word, you can get an answer from God. Right? And, and that would also put to question right, the reasons why praying to the saints doesn't work. Just saying. Right? And in other words, Scripture says, don't pray to the dead. Now, I understand why that happens, right? And, but, but really, right, because of Jesus Christ, you and I have direct access to God. We don't need anybody else to intercede on our behalf. Right, so we're just going to go through these Verses and the balance of the, and the only thing I want you to do is just hear them, right? Because we're, we're going to unpack them in the next two weeks, right? So the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of darkness, on them has the light shone. You have multiplied the nations, you have increased its joy. They rejoice because you, as with joy, at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoils. For the yoke of his burden, and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressors, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burnt as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
Prince of Peace. On the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Does that sound good? Right? And in, in other words, imagine. You don't have to do anything other than believe. Believe. Right? And God will do it. Right? And, and, and here's the one thing, right? It's all of this right, is to convey one and one thing only, right? It's to convey what God's word promises. In other words, as a pastor, as the one who is bringing God's word to you, right? in other words, it isn't for me to make right God's word, but it is for God's word to make me right. And as he does that with me, he does that with you. Right? That's why it's important that even as I preach, it is your job to make sure that what I'm saying is correct with what's in God's word. Because we are all responsible for our relationship with God. In other words, you can't be standing before God and one day say, well, it was Pastor Jose who told me this. You're responsible. Right? You are. I am. Right? So all of this brings us to this table. A table that we can enjoy. A table that brings us out of the darkness. A table that allows us to see the light, even in the midst of all the inflatables being not inflated. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are grateful that in you, in you alone, you secure our salvation for each and every one of us. And Lord, and as we prepare to take of your table, I pray that you would just set our minds and hearts so that we would come and not only commune with you, but that we would see how much we need you. Lord, I pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So on the night when Jesus was betrayed, Right? It's amazing that we're talking about his birth, but you can't talk about his birth without talking about his death. So 33 years later, he would be celebrating a Passover meal. A Passover meal that for his life, while being a human being, he would celebrate with his family and the meal itself would have all of the trimmings. But then that particular night, he would do something different where he would take some certain elements and change their meaning. Right? So he took bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, 
This is my body broken for you. Take, eat. And then as the meal continued, it was later on in the evening, he took the third cup, the cup of redemption. And he said, this cup represents my blood shed for the forgiveness of sin. And then he said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my saving death until I come again. He would say in the Gospel of Luke, I have desired to have this meal with you. He would say in Matthew, I will not drink of it again until I drink of it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Let us pray, Father, we're grateful for this meal. And I pray that you would set these elements apart, that they would be to our faith, your body broken, your blood shed. Lord, help us now as we commune with you. We thank you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to today's sermon. For more resources and information about Goodwill Church, visit goodwillchurch.org. God bless.